Welcome to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, where we focus on civic and urban issues impacting New Westminster and beyond. For the Record puts it on the record, when and where it counts. Now let's begin. We're looking back over 2023. There was so much that happened this year. And in our previous podcast, I had three special guests. I had my political partisan pundits who came on and they all started talking about um, their rankings from six to 10 in terms of some of the major issues that they thought had impacted the school and the council. And I brought them all back because we didn't finish in the last podcast. We just simply ran out of time. So we are now going to talk about the top five issues. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce my special guests for this podcast, and they include, in no particular order, uh, Kathleen Carlson, who is a school trustee candidate. She's running in the February 3rd by-election. Welcome to the podcast, Kathleen. Thank you so much, Daniel. Happy to be here. And I also want to introduce for you uh, trustee Danielle Connolly. You'll recognize her name because she's been on the school board for about five five plus years now. So she's in her second term. She's been a vocal advocate on a number of issues. And welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks so much, Daniel. And last but not least, we have Councillor Paul Minhas. Councillor Minhas is in his first term as a city councillor in the city of New Westminster. And he's also a small business owner in the downtown core. And welcome, Councillor Minhas. Good evening, Daniel. Good to be on the show. Thanks for coming. So before we get started, um, I forgot to mention this in the previous podcast that I recorded until the end. So I'm going to start it off right at the top that the opinions that you're going to hear today are really the opinions of uh, Daniel Fontaine. They're the opinions of Paul Minas, Danielle Connolly, and Kathleen Carlson. So there are opinions that we are not speaking on behalf of the school board, nor are we speaking on behalf of city council. So let's jump on into it because we have a lot to cover in this podcast and a lot of fantastic uh, issues. We're going to start this countdown with number five, and I'm going to start it off with the school board. I'm going to start it off with Trustee Connolly and Kathleen Carlson. Why don't you guys weigh in on what you thought was issue number five? All right. Um, I think that we're going with the announcement. Uh, it, it it starts with a great announcement, uh, not an issue, and that's the expansion of the Queen Elizabeth Elementary School in Queensboro. Um, a much anticipated and awaited announcement came in October of um, an approved third floor for the expansion, um, so an additional floor which will be increasing this, the the school to 21 classrooms and 763 students and happily uh, will allow for grade fives to return um, to, to move out of the middle school where they were put uh, because of the, the capacity issues at that school. So they'll be returning back to uh, the elementary school. So, you know, moving over to the issue side of it, um, I think it, it, it kind of shines a light on um, something that we've talked about before, which is um, that there's no real uh, process within the ministry to build build schools for future need. The current uh, model is they build for current need, and that's what you get funded for. Uh, so so it's, it's great that the ministry was willing... To work um, with the district on this and and have have approved the funding and you know, the project's going to be moving forward, but you know that was a lot of lost time, um, having to 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 work through this to ensure that we did um, get. 
the the additional space that that we all know is needed. Um, and you know the, the ministry really needs to formally and, and transparently um, change their process for approving school builds so we can accommodate future growth. You know, especially if we're looking to build more urban schools in places like New Westminster, where we're we're, we're landlocked and have you know a do not have enough land uh, for for the schools that are needed. Um, so there there won't be the opportunity to expand and add portables and, and modulars, that type of thing. So we really need to, to get more clear direction um, from the ministry and they need to really change how they look at um, funding new schools in, in our province, especially in, in more urban places like New Westminster. So Kathleen, you're running for a school trustee. So um, it, it, are you going to be raising this topic at all during the campaign? And if you're elected, how are you going to try to convince the province to, as as trustee Connolly said, to to try to not be building just for today, but be for building for tomorrow and the year after and the year after that? What are you going to do about it? It's, it's absolutely an important issue and it's not a new one. The, the funding model needs to be changed. Um, population growth can be looked up. The government knows what the population growth is. They do reports. So I will be advocating to have um, the population growth to be part of the planning of new schools. It just makes sense. It To me, it's common sense. I just shake my head at why this hasn't been done so In just so I'm clear, just, just sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Sorry. Population growth is not included in the planning process for schools? Schools are built for the number of students who are in the school at that time. So, Danielle, do you want to weigh in on this? Well, I, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, knowing the numbers. Well, the ministry actually has us um, at, at reaching 10,000 students by 2037. So they do, you know, that's obviously based on on current information, but with the new um, legislation and, and mandating on the densification, I, those numbers are going to change as well. So it's, it's, it's not something that, you know, you, I understand it can change and, and, and there's different variables in there, but uh, certainly we, we should be able to, to do some projections and, and the ministry has itself to already done those. So, so we should be building and funding schools that can meet the growth um, that, that they're already anticipating and that we can certainly work with our, you know, municipal counterparts um, to, to get those numbers and, and assure the ministry that there will be, you know, little bums in seats um, for many years to come, they're not going to be having schools that are, are, are empty, that type of thing. So I think it's also important to note that it takes an awful lot of years for a school to be built from the time the planning, from the time they're actually approved. So again, to me, it's common sense. The growth if it's going to take five to seven years, you have to look at the growth of that for five to seven years. You cannot plan for how many students are in that school at the start of the process. Makes no sense. Councillor Minhas, we're going to switch over to you now. And we're going to start off with 
the number five issue uh, for City Council. And you played an interesting role in this one, which I think is kind of fascinating. And one of the reasons I think um, you voted it in the top five, and that has to do with the oil spill on the in the Fraser River and on the banks of the Fraser River. And uh, that happened as a result of uh, the Samson Five, the city's museum, uh, the the boat that's uh, in the water kind of tilted a little bit and out from the bilge, I believe, came uh, an unknown quantity of oil that one can only imagine how long that oil had been sitting there in that boat. But you were kind of like nearby when this happened, this story broke, and then you were kind of part of the story. So tell our listeners why you ranked this number five. That's very true, uh, Daniel. Um, what had happened was... Uh... Um, actually, as a first-time council member, it was also my my uh, time as a first-time acting mayor, and it just happened that um, the spill happened at the same time, and one of the residents that was sitting at the old paddlewheeler pub, um, who happened to know me, just called me up saying that there was an oil spill. Uh, so um, basically, I ran down there. Uh, um, and and then uh, looked at it. The police were already there. The fire were, uh, the firefighters were already leaving the scene because there wasn't much they could have done. But uh, the police were actively uh, trying to find the source of of the spill, and it was quite the spill, I tell you. You know, uh, with all the marine life and everything else, um, and the boat uh, tilted the way it was. It was quite a bit. And it was uh, it was a sad sight, uh, to be very honest with you. We should have taken the boat out. Uh, we tried to pass a motion uh, where we could actually uh, uh, dock it. And, and uh, it's got such a rich history that I think it's important that we could have, uh, we should preserve it instead of having it sit in the water the way it was. And like you said earlier, for how long was that oil sitting in the boat? And for someone not to address that, it just didn't make any sense to me. Well, Paul, this is a top 10 issues uh, podcast. But if I had the, one of the top 10 ironies of 2023, I would say this would rank very high because it was ironic that literally just weeks before this oil spill into the Fraser River uh, from the city's own museum, you and I were debating in council uh uh, about oil spills from like uh, TMX pipelines and things like that. I mean, things that really had really absolutely nothing to do with the city of New Westminster, but yet we were talking about that. And then literally weeks later, here we were dealing with an oil spill in the Fraser from our own museum. That's very true. So now we're moving on to Number four, we're going to switch over back to the school district and we're going to find out what Kathleen and what Danielle ranked as their number four issue on our top five countdown here on For the Record. So over to the both of you. I think our number four was the heat in the schools. Um, we could go on and on about this, um, but yes, we need to build to the climate. And again, we talk about new builds. We need to adapt new builds, not just for the number of, of students for projected growth, but also for the safety of everybody that's in those schools. Uh, these beautiful new schools that we have, and we've, we've had beautiful schools in this district be built with glass walls, many, many windows, 
and concrete floors, all in buildings with no air conditioning. So this does not provide a safe space for anyone who's in that school or in those schools when the weather gets warm, which it does now for up to five months out of every year in our district. So uh, Kathleen, just can you unpack this a little bit for me? I know we're, we're tight for time on this podcast, but I do. this is an important one. And I just think it's important to talk about it. We've known about climate change for probably the better part of several decades. So this is not a surprise like this. Yes, I we have. Think, I don't think yeah. it should be a surprise to anyone that we're dealing with climate change. So we have a brand new school. And I believe you're talking about, we'll use for an example, newest secondary. So it's beautiful it's probably won some awards because it looks so gorgeous it's got this beautiful you know design but you go into the school on a day when it's 28 degrees and you're telling me that inside that school there is no air conditioning for the students and the teachers who are working there so putting it potentially at risk from a work safe perspective for the teachers obviously because that's their workplace but for the students this is their learning place are you yes. telling me that brand new schools, even with all the knowledge that climate change is going to cause all these heat domes and everything else, are still being built without air conditioning? That's what I'm telling you, Daniel. I've seen many uh, teachers personally carrying in fans into their classrooms. And these are fans that they have had to bring from home. They've had to go and buy and purchase for their classroom just so their kids can stay in the classroom. Wow. It, again, I go back to common sense. There, there hasn't been a lot of common sense when it's come to building these schools. So I, yeah, I, and it's interesting. It kind of touches on a, on a couple of different pieces here for sure. I mean, the, the, the length of time to get schools built and, and the funding model uh, is certainly a big piece of it, but you know, there's also, I've dug and I've dug and I've asked and I've asked and, and I have come across no best practices with regards to heat in classrooms, no guidelines, no direction from the ministry um, with regards to safety and excessive heat or temperatures in the classroom. So, so there's a starting point. <laughs> if we don't right. know, I, I, certainly from a WorkSafe BC, there, there would be some, some standards, uh, but, but I think it's something, you know, it's something the ministry needs to work towards as, as kind of a, a guiding, some guidance guidance um, of, of how we build these schools and, and what comfortable temperatures are and, and you know, to give us something to work towards. Um, I, I think that would be a, a, a good starting place. I mean, currently school districts can apply for funding through the school enhancement program and the carbon neutral capital program, as well as HVAC priorities through the ministry's annual facility grant. But there's no guarantee that a school will be approved for the funding. It also comes from the same pool that that a district has to apply for for maintenance and other school improvements, which, you know, there needs to be priorities. Do we fix a, a roof and ask for funding for that? Or do we ask for air conditioners? So it, it, it's, you know, it, there's, there's just not a lot of clarity from the ministry on this one. And I think that's, that would be a good starting place in terms of how we build schools, how, how we, you know, provide funding, I, I think it should be just an across the board. And, you know, another piece, even like, what about funding for schools to look for other, alter, you know, for, for other ways to control temperature, like trees or awnings or green roofs, that type of thing, uh, you know, that are tangible, environmentally friendly. So there, there, there's lots that we can be looking at, but there is no clear guidance. So districts are, are kind of left onto their own devices, which, you know, in a lot of ways, that's great. Each district is a little different, but I think from a, a higher level perspective, um, it starts with some, some clear guidelines and, and also 
funding. <laughs> we we need we is that word. There it is. There's one of those themes. <laughs> yes, it seems like the underfunding theme has carried forward through to the top mm -hmm. five countdown. What yes. a surprise! So <laughs> great, surprise. great, great, great selection for your uh, top five. Now I'm going to switch over to Councillor Minhas. I believe if I've got my numbers, and I, I am, I can be challenged, but I'm counting backwards. But I think we're at number four for Council. And uh, Paul, this one was an interesting one for us because it's kind of putting something on the agenda that really didn't happen. And and um, let me explain. It's our Citizens Assembly. So Council has decided um within in a 5-2 vote it decided to establish something called um i don't even think it's actually officially called the citizens assembly but that's i think how it's being referred to and it's a it's a the a mother of all committees 36 people on the committee <clears throat> excuse me it's um a lot of other committees are kind of uh the, the technical term is i think smushed into this um big committee and Paul, you were elected back in October of 2022 along with me, and I had expected, looking back on 2023, that we would have seen a lot of committees, a lot of public involvement, public engagement, public feedback. Paul, you put this as number four, and tell us a little bit about what happened this year around that public engagement and the Citizen Assembly. Well, there was uh, hardly any committees left. Um, and basically, it all had come a halt uh, they were paused um, there was no feedback from the uh, from these committees that existed uh, um, and and they were talking about having this so-called citizens assembly uh, if that's the way to put it and having 36 members on it now I personally haven't heard anything like this and what really bothers or uh, upsets me in the sense is there wasn't really any great feedback that was taken from the people. Uh, it almost seemed like uh, uh, it was um, an agenda and it got brought forward. And uh, well, I think you and I referred to it as a solution looking for a problem. That's right. Very true. Uh, you just nailed it on the head. And I just can't see how 36 members of this Citizens Assembly can come to consensus. Um, and if you don't have the consensus, I think uh, you have heard as to what happens then. Well, it is going to be an experiment, if nothing else. We're looking back on 2023. It hasn't met yet. There's been a lot of reports to council about it. Um, looking ahead, this, this, this podcast isn't about looking ahead to 2024, but um, the Citizens Assembly will start meeting in 2024. 36 people plus staff will all be gathering over a number of, of meetings over the course of the year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. You know, we'll, just full disclosure to the public, both you and I voted against every single aspect of the Citizens Assembly from the beginning, and we're in favor of keeping our more focused, smaller public uh, engagement committees that were there and uh, we were obviously outvoted but I guess time will tell where it goes but that was ranked as number four for us the uh, the citizens assembly back over now to the school board for what I believe is your number three 
and uh, turn it over to Kathleen and to Danielle to uh, fill us in on what they thought was the. Now we're we're in top three, guys. So we're top getting very three. close. <laughs> top three, top close, three. Yes, uh, I'm I'm happy to jump on this one. Go for it. Um, <laughs> our number three is the Queensboro bus. No pun intended. Jumping on that one. <laughs> oh man. Uh, this one really, okay, first of all, the great news is Queensboro students will now have the opportunity to take a school bus from Queensboro to the high school. So it sounds great, but let me tell you what really bothers me about this. It's the promise that MLA Singh made prior to him actually being elected. He campaigned with a promise as early as a year prior to the election. And his promise was for a free dedicated school bus for all Queensboro students to get to school, get to the high school. What was delivered after another almost five years of parent advocacy, yep, you heard that, almost five years, not until this fall has anything been ruled out. And what was rolled out is not a free school bus. This bus will cost each student $30 per month. This great bus, how do I say this? Danielle, everything has fallen onto the district to organize, to support, to plan for this that an MLA promised. Yeah, it is I, also, yeah. sorry, I was going to yeah, also I, say, I, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that sentiment. <laughs> sorry. We're, we've also been told this is a pilot project and the pilot project will take us in almost two years. I find this very timely when there's another election coming in less than a year. So what will happen after this pilot project? It just frustrates me to no end. <laughs> So lie. just so I'm clear on this then, Kathleen, so we have a free school bus that now costs $30. Per student. Per student. Per so if you have three students or two students in your house, you're talking at least $60 to $90 per month with after-tax income. So a free bus is now costing $30 per student. The uh, bus that was to be uh, implemented and supported uh, by the local MLA is now the administrative portion of that has been handed over to the school district to effectively manage. And I, yes. I don't want to use that underfunded word again, but I have a feeling that funding didn't come to the school district to uh, make sure that they were kept whole, but I, maybe I'm wrong, but that there's you are not wrong, they're not wrong on that. So there's obviously some, some costs there. So, and, and lastly, I attended a school district meeting. I I've been following most of them, attended as many as I can, but I actually physically attended a meeting and, and I asked a question about that, Kathleen, and I think you were in that meeting about where that funding came from. And I was told in the school board meeting when I was there that the funding came from the NDP caucus. So I ended up writing a letter, actually an email to the local MLA said, hey, just a little bit of clarity on all of this. Um, where, do I, there, you know, I'm being told that this is coming from the NDP caucus, but lo and behold, I got a point of clarification from the MLA and no the funding is not, in fact, coming from the NDP caucus. It is, in fact, coming from the Ministry of Education, which I think surprised a lot of people, considering that that's not what we were told when, when the initial announcement came out. So anyways, I can totally understand why you put this in the top three. Yeah. 
look, there. Th- this is about uh, you know following through on on promises and commitments yeah. made, and this was a big one. You had to know, you know, making a promise like this something that parents in Queensborough and students have been asking for 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 many 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 years that you were getting people's hopes up and and it's just it, it, the the follow through on that promise has has not been what i think we all thought it might be um you know we're still you know i'm happy to report that it, it the 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 uptake the the registration seems to be to be good but there's still a lot of questions um you know there's concerns that kids possibly even going to have to take the bus to get to the pickup and drop off places around Queensboro. So this, you know, there, there's just, there, Which, there's, it's a big, it's a big logistical piece that yes, has fallen onto the, the laps of, of the district administrators and senior staff. And it's, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. And, you know, following up on late payments or, you know, complaints or somebody missed a bus, that's all going to come through the district, um, not the MLA's office. (laughs) So I'd also like to add in there that it's also an equity issue because that's $300 a year on top of they're already they're they're all going to need a a bus schedule or a bus pass on top of this like danielle just said they they're going to miss up the school bus sometimes what of those that have z blocks what if of those that have band or or something prior to school so they're all going to need the regular bus pass and now spend $300 a year on this school bus, which was supposed to be free and was supposed to be implemented five years ago. Well, and, and call, oh. you know, I, I, I'm going to be an eternal optimist here and, and really hope, you know, this, this does turn out for the best. I, I, I truly do. Um, but, you know, there's always that little voice in the background there that's, with a lot, well, a lot more questions than I think than you, you are you are very uh, and you're in a good place to be asking questions and to make sure that you you continue asking questions. But mm-hmm. I'll perhaps end this particular uh, item by saying that for some people it's thirty dollars a month, but for other people it's only one dollar a day, right? So it's it's actually you know if you look at it that way it's not expensive. But I'm being of course very facetious and sarcastic. But anyways, that was number three for the school board. Okay, we're now in the top two items, and I'm going to turn. Uh, sorry, no, no, sorry, number three for council. I, I we still haven't got to, uh, to the number three for council, so we're going to go to that one now. Number three for council, and boy, we had uh, a tough time with this one too. This one was one where it could have been number two, could have been number three. Councilor Mines. Um, the province of British Columbia, I cannot keep track of how much housing legislation, it was a flurry, a flurry of legislation that was coming in from Victoria, from NDP government coming in and, and on on everything housing in the fall. And one of the big ones, which I know our, our uh, colleagues and my two guests from the school board are going to want to weigh in on as well, has to do with density. So single family lots, minimum four units, 
Now looking to go to six if you're near rapid transit, literally can double the density and densification overnight in some neighborhoods. Um, some neighborhoods that are close to like mass transit, SkyTrain, um, no need for approvals. Everything's pre-approved. 20-story tower can go up uh, if you're within, I believe, 800 meters of, of a SkyTrain. And we have a few of those in, in our city. So Councillor Minhas, number three from council is actually a decision that was made by the province, but it's going to have huge impacts within the city of New Westminster, the density legislation. Yes, um, Daniel, if I remember correctly, I believe it was you that tried to bring um, something along this line uh, as motion as soon as we got into council, as soon as we got elected. And um, I also believe it was uh, defeated at, uh, I believe, at 5-2 uh, with something that you tried to pass as a motion. Yeah, I think um, that the motion that that I brought forward, uh, Paul, was a motion to look at standardized housing development templates so that people didn't have to pay all the extra fees and process and timeline. And we brought it in to actually help speed up the process of development so people didn't you know, have to spend as much money and could reduce time. And at the time, it was defeated. I believe it was defeated five to two. But Councillor Minas, update everybody now that all this legislation is coming forward. What has the NDP government brought forward? You were ahead uh, of your time. Uh, a spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. We were way too ahead of our time. Yeah. Is that even um, uh, the Honorable MLA Ravi Kalon brought this forward, I think, just a couple of weeks ago. And now everything is, um, you know, at a record pace to move forward. Um, but uh, definitely uh, our own municipality could have uh, passed this motion and uh, we could have been uh, ahead of everybody else. Well, many would argue that we were, but um, uh, perhaps they just took our great idea from New Westminster and now it's going across the province. So we'll just look at it on a positive side, but definitely lots of density is coming to the city and that's definitely number three. Who knows where it'll rank next year. <music> Councillor Minas, I'm going to stick with you and we're going to move to number two for the city uh, city council. And that one is an is a, a very emotional one and a very impactful one. And it's a kind of a two-parter. So we have ranked the number two issue in New Westminster Council in the city being the skyrocketing number of homelessness, people who are living without homes, the unhoused within the city of New Westminster, and also the skyrocketing usage of food banks in our city. Uh, over the last uh, number of years, but in particular this year, as inflation has just skyrocketed through the roof. So here we are in 2023, after many promises to deal with homelessness, and and literally the numbers are, I think, 65% increase in homelessness in New Westminster over the last three years. And I don't even know what the number is in terms of food bank usage, but I can only imagine that it's it's going through the roof. So why did why did you pick this as number two? You know, Daniel, um, as a small business owner, so I know firsthand about inflation, inter high interest rates, um, high rental rates, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, um, with the, the food banks, from what I've been hearing, the lineups are very, very long, and they're running out of food constantly. Um, now, uh, even when we left the city called today 
um, and we were leaving, I believe you saw the people that were parked right on the side of the building of the city hall today. And uh, I'm sure, um, of course, they do not want to be there. But at the same token, they were trying to be dry. But uh, they had everything over there. The number of people that are homeless is just going up higher and higher and higher. And we need to do something about it. Um, but uh, the way it's going on at the present, it's not really solving the problems. And there has to be um, definitely um, the upper government that needs to step in and, and help small municipalities like New West Mr. L. I, I agree, Paul, and, and we're going to be getting into our top story of 2023, but it, literally this issue and our top story, we're so close. I mean, there's so many serious issues, but but homelessness and food bank, uh, increased needs for, for food bank, and even having space for food banks. We're running out of places for, for food banks. Their locations are in, in jeopardy and stuff. So uh, definitely, uh, as far as you and I are concerned, is definitely this issue is in the top two. So and we're and you know I can weigh into and say from the school board side as well school district side where we we've seen, you know, large growth in in the uptake of our of our food program as well at our at our schools so you know it's it's across the board it's affecting everybody. Absolutely, Danielle. It's uh, in the schools, on the streets, uh, throughout our community. So. So let's hope that this is not in our top 10 ranking. That would be, I would be thrilled if this was not at least in the top five for next year. But I, unfortunately, I think with the, the trend lines of where this is going, um, that's not um, uh, likely not going to be the case. On to the school board. What was your number two? Well, the big news in the spring was all about Community First Trustee D. Beattie. There was proof that this trustee was harassing and bullying parents, colleagues, and even the president of the BCTF online using a fake Twitter account. So what many of us had seen for years was brought to light. And after first denying that she did indeed create a fake account, DBD had to tell the truth because it was so obvious that she was behind this fake social media account. In the fall, the former trustee resigned, which then spurred on the by-election, which will take place February 3rd of next year, with early voting on January 24th and January 31st. This by-election which was caused by community first member is now costing the school board up to $300,000. This is money that could be spent on the students and staff in this district. I'm looking forward to having parents and community members come out and vote in the by-election and to vote for myself. I'll do advocacy here because I'm the only candidate that has been attending school board meetings since before this trustee was on board. I'm the only one that's been attending PAC meetings at four schools and been the DPAC chair for four years, as well as taking executive roles on at three other schools. It's time to get out and vote for a person who puts those who are in the schools every day at the forefront of every decision. And it's time to have this over and the focus be where it needs to be. 
I am not surprised that this is in your top two ranking. I'm surprised it's not number one, but number two is pretty close to number one. But Danielle, did you want to weigh in on this before we? Uh, we yeah, I think um, you know. I, I thank you, Kathleen, um, for for your words, and I know that this, you know, it it impacted a lot of people, and uh, it, it, it's really unfortunate. Um, but it 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 has brought some attention to funding <laughs> and and specifically in this instance um, around by-elections and 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 who pays for by-elections and um, you know general elections to my understanding are paid for by elections BC correct me if I'm wrong um, they're not paid for out of a, the operating budget of a school district I, do, I can say right. that with certainty <laughs> right so you know regardless of of the reason um, of, of why a by-election might happen, whether it's, you know, a very bad behavior, um, illness, death, um, uh, whatever the case is, it, it just, it, it, you know, it does not seem right for, for school districts having to, you know, be on, 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 on the hook for this, um, huge cost out of their already strapped operating budget. So um, I will say that the school board did at their last board meeting put forward um, an advocacy piece asking um, the ministry that school districts not have to pay for by-elections out of their operating funds. And also um, we asked, you know, no harm in asking, we've asked, um, the, the school district asked for, the school board asked for uh, funds or a grant to cover the cost of this current by-election. So, um, you know, stay tuned. It, it would be great if, if there were, you know, funds made available to, to cover the cost of it and going forward. I, I you know, I, there, there's so many reasons why a by-election might be necessary and, and none of them um, I, I should, should be, uh, you know, the responsibility of, of, of districts and, and ultimately, you know, coming out of classrooms and, and exactly. things for, you know, that students need. So um, hopefully we can, um, see some change around that and, and hopefully even for, for this current by-election going forward. I just want to weigh in a couple of things and I really want to, um, I mean, it was a terrible thing what happened as far as bullying is concerned, uh, with the previous, uh, trustee, but I would like to thank, uh, uh parents like, uh, James and Sarah, uh, that brought the whole issue forward, um, and breaking the news, uh, uh, so I would like to thank them. Yeah, I would echo those comments, uh, James and Sarah. Uh, I will echo that as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think we all agree that they um, they were really the unsung heroes here and kind of bringing this out into the public and to to actually trigger the the by election and to to hopefully uh, begin a process of change at the at the school board so that this type of behavior never happens again. So very true. Yes. We're, we're, we're done. We're, we got number one. We're just going to go to number one. And I'm going to actually uh, keep it on the school board. We're going to do the school board number one. And then we're going to go to council number one. We're going to wrap up this podcast because we are quickly running out of time. So I'm going to start with the school board. What did the both of you guys rank as your number one story for 2023 when it came to the school board? Uh, the capacity crisis. The capacity uh, crisis. 
where are we going to put students? You know, this ties into so many things like you've already talked about earlier um, this evening, Daniel and Paul, um, that, you know, the increase to the mandated in increase in densification, um, just the, the influx of students that we're seeing in, into our districts and, um, you know, in, in districts like New Westminster, as I've, I, you know, we've spoken to already, we just don't have the land. We are already at a deficit by ministry standards with regards to, um, you know, 11 out of 12 of our school sites are undersized compared to the ministry area standards. So we, you know, we, we are, are in, a, in, in a crisis. I, I don't think that that's an understatement. And I think that is calling it what it is. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of attention gets put on districts like Surrey, when you hear these large numbers of portables and that type of thing. But you know what, when you boil it down, New West is actually in, in, in a worse position. We are at 5.46 portables to 1000 students versus Surrey at 4.6. You know, it's, it's not something you want to be comparing or, or claiming to be worse at but but we are we are in a worse position. Uh, we're also, you know, have seen a 20.5% a, a increase in students over the last 15 years. That's significant, and and we we need to be working with all levels of government. Um, the ministry needs to be coming to the table. They need to be working with districts like ours, uh, getting that funding, making it easy to access the funds, so that we can be building to accommodate this this growth, this unprecedented growth. And and it it it's it shows no signs of stopping. So. Um, you know, we we can't we can't just sit back and 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 watch. We have to, and, and the district is. You know, they've they've updated their their long range facilities plan. They're you know they've identified key areas. The West End needs a new middle school. The downtown area needs a new elementary school. Um, we're working with the city. We're working with the ministry, but uh, it, it doesn't stop there. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And um, as I've mentioned before, we we. We have very little land in New West, so um, we need to get creative and we need the ministry's support to do that. Final word to you, Kathleen, on number one. I echo exactly what Danielle said. We don't have the land space that many other districts have. We don't have the space to put any more portables. We may need to build up. We may need to be creative, but what we really need is funding for this there's and you that. know on that, I, I, yeah there's that funding and you know heck let's throw another one in here and uh, another okay are you, guys adding, are you guys adding an extra number <laughs> we're adding here? we're well, adding we couldn't get above one so whatever it, and we don't want to call it zero because it's way too important yeah and i and, and i think the word you know, is we've seen the theme throughout uh, you know this top 10 list here and and it's it's underfunding Underfunding, nice. exactly, and and um, our 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 students deserve better. Um, they, they, you know, we have been woefully underfunded. It's time to stop blaming predecessors. Yes, uh, it's time to start taking meaningful action. It's time to start giving students, you know, what they need for the future that they deserve, and and that's just not happening now. And and it's just too important to not keep talking about it. And, and it's, it's time, it's time for us to see a real, you know, to get out of the basement in terms of ranking across Canada in per student funding. We can do better in BC, we need to do better. We need to do better. Yeah. So. And we yes. don't need just words and empty promises. 
and 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 you know and one-offs i never want to look yeah. a gift horse in the mouth but you know affordability funding the, the grants that were that were put forward great but I will look that gift horse in the mouth, actually, and I'm going to look in its mouth and say, where's where's more? Because we need dependable, consistent funding that that we can look, you know, two, three, four years down the road and know the funding will be there. We can make these plans. We can, you know, make a, a great future for for kids in, in our in our in our province and in New West. And, and it's, you know, it's something that they deserve. And it's it's time. It's time. It's Pastime. Yes. Okay. It is literally pastime because I literally am running out of time, but I want to say thanks to you guys for squeezing that extra one in there and, uh, and kudos to you guys for doing that and for the advocacy you're doing. And now we are going to end uh, this podcast with Councillor Minhas, who is going to talk to us about the number one story from the city council side this year. And it relates to property taxes. And uh, drum roll, please, uh, Councillor Minhas, what was the property tax increase for all taxpayers in the city of New Westminster in 2023? I believe it was 6.4%. Um, and this coming year, it might be, uh, I believe, as high as 7%. So uh, definitely, it's something at a time like this when people are struggling. Uh, for food, uh, for even uh, uh, renting their places. Everything is expensive. Uh, you know, with high interest rates, again, high inflation, it's very, very challenging for the people. Uh, and yes, definitely, um, this uh, this puts a dent in their pocket. Yeah, uh, enough said. 6.4% record, I believe, a record, the highest ever tax increase of a city council, in at least in recent uh memory uh incredible uh and and like you said councilman as we don't even know what's coming in 2024 i i'm afraid to actually look ahead with the crystal ball as to where that's going and speaking of that um i'd love to actually pull you guys all back together at some stage for us to do a, a like a crystal ball look ahead but i think we've run out of time so i'm gonna just uh say Thanks to my three guests for uh, taking a big chunk of their time, actually, for the two podcasts, both the, the previous one and this one, and for covering, covering in such great depth um, and in such a, a very respectful and fun way uh, a number of issues that we all have lived and breathed over the last year. So any closing remarks before we wrap up this? And I want to wish you all, by the way, a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all those kind of things. But any final words before um, we wrap up the year? Thank you, Daniel, for doing this. I think it's been great. And I think it brings to light um, yeah, the issues that, that are important to the people in the city. So thank you. I, I'll, I'll echo that. Thanks. And I, I, I think what it's showing is, you know, when we work together, we can get a lot done and we need to work together. These things are too important. They're too important. And, you know, especially when it comes to students, there's no yeah. place for politics. It needs to be about the students first and foremost. And I think, you know, that that's my wish going forward is we just can really set aside some of these differences and 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 find just continue to keep finding ways to 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 work together in a in a collaborative way. And and you know, I think I think we can do it. I think we can. <laughs> well, said, you know, well said. Well, I, Daniel, I echo uh, both Danielle and Kathleen. 
uh, they nailed it on the head by saying being collaborative. Uh, it's very, very important that uh, even on council, um, we work together to get things done. And, um, you know, this was great. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. And I want to wish all you guys a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say in closing that I really enjoy working with you guys. I so hope Kathleen makes it over the top on February 3rd and that our caucus goes to uh, by 25%, uh, up to four people, because the great thing is that we are very collaborative. We do work with each other. We don't always agree on everything. There's a lot of things that we, we don't agree on, and that's fine, but we're very respectful, and we're always coming to the table with ideas, and we're open and encouraging and and. And, and telling people to come and tell us about what their ideas are, because we don't uh, have a, the market cornered on every good idea in this city. And so I really, it's been a pleasure to have you guys on. So again, uh, Councillor Paul Minhas with the City of New Westminster, um, Kathleen Carlson, she is running for school trustee February 3rd. Don't forget to vote in the New West uh, School District um, 40 by-election. And uh, Trustee Connolly, who uh, has been on the, the school board for a number of years. So thanks again to everyone for listening. You've been listening to For the Record. I'm Daniel Fontaine. And until we meet again soon, I'll be back.